You may be seated. Welcome, welcome, welcome. One of the things that I love about our church is we literally, we have a very family ethos, a very family feel, and uh, I appreciate that so much, watching you all greet each other. It's very good. Uh, well, good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Brad Kendall. I'm the lead pastor here. We are going to do Q&A after the message, so if you have a question, you can text that question to that number. In fact, if you, I won't be offended if you take a picture of that number right now so you have it. If something comes up during the message and you want to ask a question about it, please text that question in because uh, it makes life fun and exciting. Uh, we are going to continue our series called Bless Today. What we've been exploring is five, count them, five missional practices that we can all participate in with the leading of the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, in being a part of God's restoration of this world. And the way God has restored this world, the, the way he's doing it is he has chosen to uh, bless people. We've seen that as we looked back at the blessing uh, of Abraham. God promised through Abraham to bless every person on the face of that, this planet. And we are part of the blessing because we are benefactors of that blessing and we are part of the body of Christ, what is called the church. The first letter of the acronym BLESS is B, which is, read it with me, begin with prayer. Before we do anything, we should daily ask the Lord to help us with open eyes see the divine appointments that God has in store for us on that day. And I hope you have been daily beginning, beginning with prayer, daily asking God, and then acting upon the appointments that God has in store for you as you move through life. Uh, secondly, uh, we L, we what? We listen with care. The first act of love is listening. We listen to God and we listen to others. If, we don't, if I don't listen to you, then I indicate to you I don't truly care about you and your story and what's going on in your life. And then three, my favorite, E, eat together. Don't you love that? And in the same way, you should pray before a meal. We're going to pray before we continue. So let's pray. Holy God, we are grateful for being a part of what you are doing in this world. Lord, we know that love wins. We know that you are the God who is love. We are part of the body of Christ, and we are called to be a loving agape community, a community that sacrifices ourselves for the sake of people coming to know you and your love. So, Lord, we need your help to do that, and we need your spirit to empower us to right now open our ears and our hearts to what you want us to know, to what you want us to believe, and what you want us to do. So, Lord... I pray each of us would leave here today knowing some next steps to participate with you in what you're doing. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, so what I have for us, I'm actually very excited about, about this message. This is one of my favorite topics. Uh, I have three stories, and each of these stories is a dinner with sinner, with a sinner. Three stories about dinners with sinners. Now, let's just start with this. We're all sinners, so whenever we sit down for dinner... We're all having dinner with sinners. 
All right? So this is not an us and them thing. The reality is we are all sinners and we're all having dinner with sinners. The, rea- the problem, though, in the church is that often as we come to know God and get involved in our church, we stop, ha- we stop having meals with people outside of our faith. Three stories, two from the scriptures, one that is not from the scriptures, more of a contemporary example. Let's start with number one. Mark 2, verses 13 through 17, would you please grab a Bible, grab your phone, we're going to read it together. Mark 2, verses 13 through 17, and I'm going to ask you to stand because I think it's good to physically be reminded that this is a supernatural text we're reading, the good, the good news of God. All right, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You may be seated. So here's Jesus. Jesus creating his leadership team for the birth of the body of Christ, the church. And whom does he call? He calls a tax collector. Levi, later called Matthew. Jesus is choosing here his starting 12, and he chooses one of the most hated and despised types of people in all of ancient Israel. He calls a crook to be a part of his dream team. What's more, Jesus has dinner with the guy. Now, back in Jesus' day, eating a meal with someone was a sign of acceptance. I accept you. I care about you. I've actually taken time and killed this goat so that we can share a meal together. It's a way of saying, hey, let's us grow closer together. And the interesting thing is, Jesus doesn't just eat with Matthew and his sinner friends by himself. No, he actually does it publicly. Verse 15 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Jesus starts this friendship in a way so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law could actually see it. Jesus was essentially saying, hey, Matthew and his friends, just so everyone knows, these are my amigos. These are my friends. And uh, if you have a problem with that, that's fine, but I'm God, and I don't. (laughs) And of course, we can just hear the judgment in his critic's voice. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Which is a very important question. Why does he? Well, if you're a note taker, you can grab your uh, worship folder there. Because the first thing I want you to fill in is Jesus has dinner with sinners because of grace. Grace. Now, there's a very good reason the most well-known 
hymn in all of the Western world is a hymn called Amazing Grace. Grace is something that is literally amazing. I used to, uh, I used to do something with, um, in, in a bar in St. Paul. Everyone just yelled, what? <laughs> what I would do is I would, I would take a sign on a table, and I put a little, this little sign, and the sign said, free beer if you hate church. And people would walk by, and they say, what in the world are you doing? And uh, I would say, well, I'm a pastor in the neighborhood, and I'm starting a church, and I'd like to know why you don't like the church. And so they'd sit down, and I'd buy, I'd buy them a beer. And I would say, I'm just going to ask questions to you, okay? And uh, the last question I would ask them is, can you define the word grace for me? And nine times out of ten, they wouldn't be able to define the most important world, word of all of Christianity, grace. And then I'd finally make a statement. I'd say, would you mind, I've, I've just asked you questions all this time. Do you mind if I would tell you uh, how Christians define the word grace? And they'd say, sure. And uh, then I'd use the, the hymn, Amazing Grace. You know the hymn, Amazing Grace? And they'd say, yeah. I'd say, well, why do we think grace is amazing? And I'd explain for them that grace is amazing because grace is God's unmerited favor for you and for me and for everyone outside these doors. Grace is the big deal in Christianity. Take grace away and there's really no reason for us to gather because that means that God doesn't have favor for those who don't deserve it. Now, in this story, here we have Jesus, God in the flesh. We have Jesus, the one for whom the cherubim and seraphim cry, holy, holy, holy. The one for whom the 24 elders in heaven bow down. God incarnate is chowing down with tax collectors and sinners. And get this, in Jesus' dinner with sinners, he is no less holy. That's a very, that's one of my favorite points in this whole message. He is no less holy because he is chowing down with notorious sinners. Grace does not diminish God's holiness. It's a manifestation of his holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is being set apart for a sacred purpose. Jesus, who is pure holiness, was set apart for the sacred purpose of bringing restoration to this world. Grace is part of God's holiness. That's amazing. That's grace. And Jesus here shines a light on the way we get things all turned around in the church too often. See, too often in the church, what do we ask? We ask, if you're going to be a part of us, you better first behave, and then you better believe everything, and then maybe you can belong, right? But notice, this isn't the way it works with Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, Levi, Mr. Tax Collector, do you repent of all your sins? Levi, do you believe X, Y, and Z? If you do, then you can be one of my disciples, and I will eat with you. That's not what he does. That's not the way this thing goes down at all, actually. No, first, Jesus calls Levi to be a part of his group. Then, Jesus hangs out with Levi and his friends. And then after, Levi is already a part of the 12. He calls him to believe 
and repent. In the grace of Christ, we are really called to first belong, then we're called to believe, and then we understand what it is to behave. And we only understand what it is to behave once we understand what it is to belong. We can only truly begin to walk and conform ourselves to the image of Christ once we are part of the community. Then God begins to take us on the journey of sanctification, becoming holy. It's only once you've begun to put your faith in Christ that God actually begins and is able through the power of the Holy Spirit to conform you to the likeness of Christ. Don't believe me? I'll give you another example. Zacchaeus, Luke 19. We're not going to read it. You can follow along with it if you want. I'll summarize it. Zacchaeus is also a tax collector, right? And he's becoming incredibly wealthy at the expense of his Jewish brothers and sisters. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' town, but because Zacchaeus is short of stature, he climbs what type of tree? A sycamore tree, just to catch a glimpse of this rabbi, this Jesus, whom he has heard so much about. So Jesus, going through town, he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree, and what does he do? Does he say, Zacchaeus, do you recognize you're a sinner in need of salvation and only I can save you? Zacchaeus, do you repent of your sins? Because if you do, then I'll come eat with you. Is that the way it goes down? Absolutely not. No. Jesus sees Zacchaeus up in the tree and he says simply, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, I love this because Jesus is doing this in front of everyone. And everyone, not just the religious leaders, the whole crowd is peeved by this. Luke 19.7 says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Hmm. I'm sure everyone in that crowd would have loved to have Jesus come to their house for dinner. But Jesus chooses the most despised person in the town. And he says, I want to chow down with you. And now, how does Zacchaeus respond to this gesture of grace? He says, look, Lord, here, now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus, that's what he's doing here is he's repenting. He's turning away from his, he's turning away from his sins and he's turning toward God. And he is doing so because of Jesus' kindness. We know from Romans 2 that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham, part of the blessing, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The son of man didn't come for the healthy. He came to save people who needed a rescue, people whose lives were sick, just like all of us. Now, do you see the trajectory here? God in the flesh gets close to the flesh of real sinful human beings like Zacchaeus, like Matthew, like us. Who are we? We're all sinners too. I like this. Uh, I didn't make this up. I can't remember where I heard it, but 
Christians are simply beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. But because we are in Christ, we are the body of Christ. And because we're the body of Christ, we too are called to get up close and personal with people whom God is crazy in love with. We're too called to have dinner with sinners. All right, third story. This one, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's a long story. Typically, I, if this was a preaching class, they'd say, do not do what I'm about to do. <laughs> but this is such a good story. Uh, it's a little long. Just hang with me. It comes from the book, The Kingdom of God is a Party, uh, by the Christian writer Tony Campolo. And it starts like this. Up a side street, I found a little place that was still open. I went in and took a seat on one of the stools at the counter and waited to be served. This was one of those sleazy places that deserves the name, the name Greasy Spoon. The guy behind the counter came over and asked, what do you want? I said, I wanted a cup of coffee and a donut. He poured a cup of coffee, wiped his grimy hands on his smudged apron, then he grabbed a donut off the shelf behind him. As I sat there munching on my donut and sipping my coffee at 3.30 in the morning, the door of the diner suddenly swung open, and to my discomfort in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place, and they sat on either side of me. Their talk was loud and crude. I felt completely out of place and was just about to make my getaway when I overheard the woman beside me say, tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her, quote, friend responded in a nasty tone. So what do you want from me? A birthday party? What do you want? You want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday? Come on, said the woman, woman sitting next to me. Why do you have to be so mean? I was just telling you, that's all. I was just telling you it was my birthday. I mean, why should you give me a birthday party? I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. Why should I have one now? When I heard that, I made a decision. I sat and waited until the women had left. Then I called over the guy behind the counter and I asked him, do they come in here every night? Yeah, he answered. The one right next to me, does she come here every night? Yeah, he said. That's Agnes. Yeah, she comes in here every night. Why? What do you want to know? Because I heard her say that tomorrow is her birthday. And um, there you are. But tomorrow's her birthday. There you go. What do you say? You and I do something about that. What do you think about us throwing a birthday party for her right here tomorrow night? A cute smile slowly crossed his chubby cheeks and he answered with measured delight, that's great, I like it, that's a great idea. Calling to his wife, he did the cooking in the back room, he shouted, hey, come on out here, this guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow is Agnes's birthday. This guy wants us to go in with him and throw a birthday party for her right here tomorrow night. His wife came out of the back room all bright and smiley, and she said, oh, that's wonderful. You know, Agnes is one of those people who is really nice and kind, and nobody does anything nice and kind for her. Look, I told him, if it's okay with you, I'll get back here tomorrow morning about 2.30, 
and decorate the place. I'll even get a birthday cake. No way, said Harry. That was his name. The birthday cake's my thing. I'll make the cake. So, at 2.30, the next morning, I was back at the diner. I had picked up some crepe paper decorations at the store and made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated the diner from one end, one end to the other. I had that diner looking good. The woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open, and in came Agnes and her friend. I had everybody ready, and when they came in, we all screamed, Happy Birthday! Her mouth fell open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm to steady her. As she was led to sit on one of the stools along the counter, we all sang Happy Birthday to her. As we came to the end of our singing with happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday to you, her eyes moistened. Then when, birthday, then when the birthday cake with all the candles was carried out, she lost it and openly cried. Harry gruffly mumbled, blow out the candles, Agnes, come on, blow out the candles. If you don't, I'll blow out the candles. And after an endless few seconds, he did. Then he handed her a knife and said, cut the, the cake, Agnes. Yo, Agnes, we all want some cake. Agnes looked down at the cake. Then without taking her eyes off it, she slowly and softly said, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if I keep the cake a little while? I mean, is it all right if we, if we don't eat it right away? And Harry shrugged and answered, Sure, it's okay. If you, if you want to keep the cake, keep the cake. Take it home if you want to. Can I? She asked. Then looking at me, she said, I, I live just down the street a couple of doors. I, I want to take the cake home, okay? I'll be right back, honest. She got off the stool and picked up the cake and carrying it like it was the holy grail, walked slowly toward the door. As we all just stood there motionless, she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence, silence by saying, what do you say we pray? Looking back on it now, it seems more than strange for a sociologist to be leading a prayer meeting with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But it felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I prayed that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. When I finished, finished, Harry leaned over the counter, and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? And then in one of those moments when just the right words came, I answered, I belong to a church that throws parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment and then almost sneered as he answered, No, you don't. There's no church like that. If there was, I'd join it. Campolo writes, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all like to join a church that throws birthday parties for whores at 3.30 in the morning? Well, that's the kind of church Jesus came to create. So, Faith Covenant Church, whom will you invite out to eat?
don't we want to be a part of a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes in the middle of the night? Don't we? I think we do. Absolutely. In your worship folder today, there's an insert. There's actually a place uh, on the backside where you can literally write down maybe a name that the Holy Spirit is laying upon you right now as you think about this. And, you know, there are all kinds of different ways we can do this. You don't have to do it in the middle of the night unless the Lord calls you to. (laughs) But maybe, maybe there is someone in your office that is the most despised, despised person in the office. Maybe that's the person you invite out to lunch this week instead of going out with your regular friends. And maybe you don't just do it this week. Maybe you do it for six weeks in a row. Or uh, maybe there is a, uh, a friend from high school or someone you knew from high school that everyone kind of despised, everyone kind of joked about, and they're nearby and you need to invite them out to eat. Maybe they think you don't like them. Maybe they need to be reminded, no, you actually love them. Maybe there's a neighbor on the street that all the other neighbors gossip about. Maybe that's the person you need to bake a hot dish for or make some cookies. I don't know who it is. I just know we need to begin with prayer. We need to listen to God. We need to come in contact with this person and begin to learn their story, to listen with care, and let them know we love them so much. We'd love to break bread together. We'd love to share a meal together. I don't think we can actually fulfill our calling as the disciples of Jesus unless we are very much committed to getting to know some people who aren't faith covenant people, who don't believe what we believe, and loving them extravagantly. I'm going to give you a practical way you can participate in some dinner with sinners. Uh, A bunch of us are getting together on Wednesday night (laughs) for something called Alpha. Alpha is a ministry that we have here at our church designed for people who don't necessarily believe. I'll I'll tell you who Alpha is for. Uh, Alpha is for uh, skeptics of the faith. Alpha is for people who are brand new to the faith. Alpha is for people who are new to Faith Covenant Church and are looking to find a small group experience and build relationships with God and each other. Alpha is also for everyone who would like to be trained and equipped to share good news with other people. You can all participate. In fact, that's my challenge. You should all participate in Alpha. We're asking our youth to do Alpha this fall. We're asking all of our adults to do Alpha this fall. If you're a part of some other ministry and it's not workable for you, that's totally fine. We're going to be doing Alpha three times a year for as long as the Lord calls us to do Alpha. You can register for Alpha online. In fact, before we do Q&A, I'd like you to watch this video.
There are going to be over 100 of us gathering on Wednesday night for Alpha, free meal. Uh, I hope you'll be there. I hope you'll invite a friend, but you do need to register today, latest tomorrow, uh, to get in on it. And if you'd like to register right now on your phone, I won't be offended. Uh, questions are welcome at Alpha. Questions are welcome at Faith Covenant Church. And I'm going to open this up and see if we have any questions. See one, someone else send me another. Accept forgiveness. One more, read it one more time, would you please? Once you have become convinced you are in, you are inadequate. How can you ever accept forgiveness? <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good way to answer this. Steve, do you have a good answer? <laughs> He's typing a question. All right. Once, once you have been convinced you're inadequate, how do you accept forgiveness? I mean, my first response is, um, why wouldn't you accept it? Um, if, if God's love is perfect for you, and if... You recognize he loves you even though you are inadequate. Why would you reject the gift of his love? Because it's perfect for you. Ah, oh, very good. Uh, yeah, so it, Steve, Steve, Steve's another pastor guy. Um, uh, it, it takes a miracle. Um, there, there is something that the whole, so the Lord offers us forgiveness, but his Holy Spirit is like a, a, a border collie shepherding us toward uh, the Lord. This is called prevenient grace, um, shepherding us to a place where the Holy Spirit is going to give us the gift of grace, and we participate in that acceptance of that grace. And I don't know how that works, but it is a miracle. And so maybe if you are standing here thinking, I'm inadequate, I don't know that I can receive this, Lord, help me receive it. Maybe that's the first step. You have another? When we invite people out to eat, how do we be sure to not make it about us feeling good that we did the right thing, but keep the focus on God? Suggestions? Well, I would say the, within that, the, the, the goal is to listen with care and to make the journey about their story, not about your story. Um, and uh, Van last week gave me a great tool. So uh, Van, he and I were talking about listening. I was talking about last week we were saying, be sure you ask, ask questions. Make, understand the power of questions. Um, Van added, don't forget the power of tell me more. <laughs> make, make that your go-to uh, as you sit down with just about everyone. That's fascinating. Tell me more. In fact, uh, just so you know, um, one of the greatest gifts you can give another person is as you are listening is reflect back what you're hearing. So your friend's very excited about something. They tell you about it. Then it's a gift to them to say, wow, you seem really excited about that. I can tell that that's exciting for you. Can you tell me more about that? 
Or um, someone shares something really hard. And it's, it's very helpful if you say, that seems like uh, that has been a very hard thing. In fact, husbands and wives, this is a very important thing to do. Uh, this seems very uh, hard, or this, that, that truly hurt your feelings, I can tell. Um, can you tell me more about why that was so hard? Because I want to know. I, I value your feelings. And so the, the, uh, maybe even having a goal that uh, I'm going to spend the first meal or the first 10 uh, just getting to know them. And finally, maybe they might say, and what about you? <laughs> and that's okay. We will get to a point in, bl- in the BLESS uh, campaign where it's share your story um, because your story is valid as well. All right? We're going to stop there. I'll take that. Thank you, Nick. Um, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to dismiss now. I pray that you will uh, answer the Holy Spirit's call and whomever he has laid upon your heart today, make an intentional step before you go to bed tonight to offer an invitation to someone uh, to get together and eat together. Uh, we're going to have prayer. In fact, prayer people, um, where are they? I, I'm here with my prayers. There's one. There, do I have another prayer? Jill and I will be prayers. Um, Sharon, we're going to meet over there, okay? Um, if you have, need prayer for anything, uh, we'll be right over there. We'd love to pray for you for anything that's on your heart. Will the rest of you please stand? I'll give you our charge for today. It goes like this. Go forth into the world where apathy and half-heartedness, delusion and anxiety are dominant. Move the world a little, letting the world know that the church lives and breathes in the lives of us. In the name of God, the creator, redeemer, and sustainer and savior of the world, God be with you and may peace go before you. Amen. Have a great week.